I think Nick Cage should take over Facebook's meta because he would do a much better job. I'm Justin. LSD, huh? Oh, fuck it. I'm Sam, and this is a good movie field trip of the unbearable weight of massive talent on Stinker Madness. Hello and welcome to Stinker Madness. This is a podcast about bad movies for bad movie lovers by bad movie lovers. I'm your host, Justin. With me is always Sam. Uh, Jackie's in the next room, but she can't be on the podcast because we don't have enough headphones for her to hear Sam or headphone plugs in a gaming laptop to yeah it's it's all that stuff again so but anyways sam and i are here uh we're going to do a full episode on the unbearable weight of massive talent starring one nicholas cage as nicholas cage uh this will be i think sam uh unless i'm mistaken the highest rated rotten tomatoes movie we will have ever done this has got a hundred percent on our team oh it was 83 when i went to see it Oh, okay. Well, it's uh, this ad I'm looking at says 100% on RT. Uh, what do we got else? 7.6 user rating. Uh, and I don't see the Metacritic score. I don't know why that doesn't come up on the... Uh, on the Oh, it's 67 on Metacritic. So, But still, 100% on our t- Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty, pretty high praise, as Nick would say. I think it's odd because if you were to look at this on paper... Like if you if you just had like the pitch notes mm-hmm, or the mm-hmm. the treatment, it would say the movie adaptation only written by Shane Black, and you were like, "Well, that's going to be a stinker," <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Because that's this is like adaptation if Shane Black wrote adaptation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But good. <laughs> <sighs> we'll get to that, I guess. Okay. So the director is Tom Gorminikin, who you haven't heard of. Um, no, I have not. He did a movie called That Awkward Moment before okay. this. I haven't heard of that. Zac Efron and uh, Miles Teller and and uh, Creed. What's his name? John? Uh, Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. And it was sort of either poorly received and misunderstood or both. Mm-hmm. Or, poor, yeah, one or the other. Uh, some of the user ratings were really good. Like, if you actually get what this movie's trying to do, it's not bad. Okay. Most people didn't get it, I guess, so nobody likes it. And then Kevin Etten, the writer, is the executive producer of the series Workaholics. Oh, okay, And sure. Ghosted, who yeah. Tom Gormanikin has done a number of episodes of as director. So this is basically a, already sort of a team-up. But really, what this is... Because the producer and probably the producer in charge of this movie is Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. And the subscript of this movie is the same shit that Nicolas Cage has been bitching about in interviews, written or uh, audio, television, that the money people make the decisions on the plot now and you really just can't make a good movie. I find it odd that the script is basically like, I don't know if I was sold a different trailer, right? Okay. All of the zany, wacky action business that happens in this movie, I did not think was there. I actually did think this was just going to be Nicolas Cage playing himself breaking down at a rich guy's birthday party. 
Yeah, and I was totally kind of, into yeah. going to just that. Yeah, I kind of, uh, I, I'm pretty sure we saw the same trailer then. And in the middle of the movie, when they're talking about writing and how, well, we got to have a hook, we're going to add this element, we're going to add that element, then we'll get people into the theater. This didn't have that in the trailer. <laughs> no, it did not. <laughs> it's like they said you can't make a good movie because you have to make this kind of a movie. But then they made that movie just to go, I guess you can make this movie too. Nikkei! <laughs> exactly. On paper, this shit doesn't work. No, it does not. It does not. Um, I mean... <sighs> I mean, I'm trying to think of what the actual pitch would be. Just that Nick Cage is playing Nick Cage as is is how I'm put. I, like that's my definition of of who he. He's not Nicholas Cage in this movie. He's Nick Cage spelled with a K, which I thought was kind of maybe. Like, if I had one gripe about this film, is that it's not enough meta. Um, it, he's playing a character rather than playing himself, which I thought was an odd choice, even though. There's tons of references, including clips of him in Con Air and The Rock and the props and all that. And then, you know, quoting his own movies all over the place. Now, did you suspect and I suspect that those because I don't think that they could have secured the rights to those movies. Mm -hmm. I feel like they reshot those scenes. The Con Air looked a little, except for the scenes where they had Kira Sedgwick. Those were the shots that I remember from her, but it did look a little uh like like uh young nick cage nick fucking rock cage uh was or nikki as his character's name in this uh was playing nicholas cage in con air that's kind of the same visual effect that i i saw as well but maybe it was just that they were trying to uh instead of showing just the straight uh original footage of con air the cut uh, they added a some sort of filter to differentiate between the two realities or something. I'm not sure, well, but it didn't what, look the same. What I noticed is it seemed like he was intentionally delivering the lines poorly. Oh, in Con Air, yeah, like in the, whenever he was doing the Nick Cage lines, mm -hmm. he did a better job in the actual movie. It feels like he was intentionally being <sighs> shitty in these reshoots. Dude, I mean, we did an episode of Con Air, man. It stinks pretty bad. He doesn't really stink in it. It's just the movie. He's goddamn you know terrible. What? You just talked me into, I'd watch Con Air again. Let's watch Con Air, Sam. <laughs> Let's put that to the test. <laughs> was, all right. I'm going to save it for questions at the end. But Okay. All right. What else you got? Sorry, I have to write down this question. It's, it's very good. <laughs> the answer is no. That's pretty much all I got. Oh, uh, interesting things. Mm -hmm. Budget. Okay. 30 million. 30. Ooh, boy, that's a lot. No, it's not. Well, you not in what, today's you know 30, modern no, society. No, you know what but... 30 million is? It is the bare minimum uh -huh. that a movie studio will spend yeah. to have a $20 million marketing package. Yeah. Okay. So it has the exact minimum budget that it must have to be in theaters mm -hmm. at a wide release. Okay. So there's more of this Nicolas Cage statements being made here. Like, this is really him just going, yeah, look at me. 
Also, Tom Cruise shot 10 movies with himself. <laughs> did you get the Top Gun trailer in this one? Yeah, I did. Oh, I did. God, that looks bad. Yeah, I'm pretty jacked about it. It, oh. it looks it looks awful. The old, the old man's back. Uh, hey, buddy. Hey, Mav. Uh, they shot 100 hours of that. I know we talked about it a couple episodes that they shot more footage for Top Gun Maverick than all of the Lord of the Rings movies. A uh, hundred hours. A hundred. We'll venture to guess that the Navy got into bed with them on that. Oh, I'm sure. And they, they, it, oh, they shot a hundred hours of Navy commercials because of how yeah. Top Gun did last time. Right, right. I don't think that's going to happen again. Yeah, no. Fire in a bottle is uh, is gone. Uh, let's talk about uh, um, un, unmassively weighty talent. Um yeah, it's, it's sitting at 7.1 over on its first opening weekend. Uh, I don't think that's great on that 30 to 50 that we're talking about. Yeah, I don't know if this is going to get traction, mm-hmm. but where the 30 to 50 number is, is however these things are calculated with Redbox and Voodoo rentals and streaming mm-hmm. rentals. And pay-per-views and everything is that the current system now for the post-release is that's what they're saying is that if this thing fucking tanks post-release, what used to be a video shelf and selling these tapes, we can get back to that 50 with the current post-release. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, word of mouth is definitely going to help that, uh, drive up that price, uh, 7.1 7.1 seems low to me. Like a lot of people may maybe thinking like, I mean, it could be fun, but it's probably going to suck is where the mindset I think of the average movie goer would be right now. And it's, and it's in a bad window, um, late April. <clears throat> it's stacked up against kids movies. Uh, when we went to the theater, it was packed. And then when we went into the Nick Cage movie, there was nobody in there uh, because everybody was going to see the bad guys. Or the stupid Harry Potter crap that actually is also really not doing very well either. So uh, I think I think we're a buzz uh, that you know you could get this into the theater, you know, keep it in the theaters for four weeks or so. Uh, I with would, some like second week buzz. Yeah, I feel like this could stay in the theater for five weeks and just do that seven five times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then yeah, they'd be like, work. "Yeah, that was that worked out." It's also Lionsgate that released it, and they just mm-hmm. don't know how to make money. Yeah, I heard HBO I, wanted to do it, but Lionsgate was like, hell no, we're getting this. We'll tank this ship. Uh, but there was no way to tank it because Nick's like, oh, I'm going to prove a point by making this $30 million movie. Mm-hmm. Um, are they, Is Lionsgate not out of the Tom? They did John Wick 1, right? Or they did uh, the John Wicks, didn't they? I th- yeah, I thought so. Yeah, thought so, so that's what they've they just lose money on everything except they were almost bankrupt. They were going out, then the Hunger Games hits. Those other Hunger Games movies can't have made that much. The fourth one didn't do great. Right. And then John Wick puts them back up again. So this is a studio that survives off of like one movie every five years. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, they had some decent ones the other uh, in the last couple of years that I was like, huh, that's Lionsgate, huh? That's I'm, I'm shocked. But uh, yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, if that's all you got, Sam, let's get into it. Other than let's uh, roll through the cast here. Uh, you, of course, got Nicolas Cage, uh, Pedro Pascal, who's fantastic. So uh, Pedro yeah. Pascal. 
Mm-hmm. Perhaps he's the next chameleon. I don't know okay. how because he's like, he's like uh, just Gary funny. Oldman or Tom Hardy. Yeah, or uh, um, Kingpin. What's his name? Christian Bale. No, Kingpin in the Zach D'Onofrio. V- Michael mm-hmm. Vincent D'Onofrio. Vincent D'Onofrio, who's apparently called the chameleon, but I would say Gary Oldman. Sandra didn't recognize him yeah. as being the Mandalorian or uh, the Sand Snake. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I was like, that's the same guy. She's like, no. No. <laughs> like, yep. I know, what a chameleon. I was like, he's actually just wearing a button-up shirt. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, what a... <laughs> perhaps, I never would have guessed. Perhaps Clark Kent's glasses would work. <laughs> For the longest time, I didn't know that Han Solo and Indiana Jones were the same guy. So I, you know, but I, at the same time, I was like eight. So I forgive myself. Uh, Tiffany Haddish is in this. Uh, who else we got? Uh, NPH oh. stops by. Yeah, NPH stops by. The daughter. Do you know who that is? Lily Mo Sheen. I'm guessing she's a Sheen. No, she's not. She's oh. Michael Sheen and Kate Beckinsale's daughter. Michael Sheen in. Michael Sheen. Sheehan. His name is Michael Sheen. Sheehan. You've seen him a thousand times. Yeah, I know who Michael Sheehan is. Well, it's uh, spelled that way. Yeah, I know it's not. Michael Sheehan is is spelled S E H or S H E H A N. I don't know if you know who Michael Sheen is. Oh wait, uh, uh, Michael Sheen. Uh, British? Is he British? He's British. Okay, Michael Sheen. Uh, he's, uh, uh, Frost Nixon. Yes. Yeah, okay, that Michael Sheehan. I was thinking of, uh, Michael Sheehan. <laughs> no. My- Michael Strahan. Uh, yeah, okay, interesting. I-, I wouldn't have put that together. And then the late bad guy is Paco Leon, who's awesome. He's n- rarely seen, but always, you don't rec. He's got mm-hmm. the eyes, right? Right, the crazy eyes. He's got the crazy eyes, I like him. Yeah. yeah. I also thought, uh, Sharon Horgan was really good. Uh, she's not, not great. You know, she didn't have the role to be great, but, uh, there was one scene that I was like, dude, she's killing it right here. Uh, so she was good. Um, yeah, everybody was great. Everybody's great. Loved them all. But, uh, all right, let's dive into this. Actually, Demina Moore stunk. Yeah, she did. That's true. But, but she was, was supposed to. Yeah. That was so she did great. <laughs> right. <laughs> Stinking. Okay, so Nick Cage, like I said, he's as is. Uh, it's it's the the modern world we live in. He's not doing the, theatrical releases. He's doing DTVs, all of them, taking whatever comes his way. Uh, he's he's trying to make a comeback. Not that he ever left. Uh, is is the quote that keeps coming back around. Um, and he's trying to land a role in a David Gordon Green movie. Uh that's that's where we're at. That's Basically, yeah. When he should be landing a role in, uh, God damn it, Dune, Dune Two. The guy that Gordon Green kicks around with that does does the movies that I like, uh, Shotgun Stories and uh, the Midnight Express. I Nichols, can't. Nichols, Phil, Phil Nichols. I got his last name. I'm good enough. uh, Okay. All right. (laughs) So uh, he's he's struggling. Uh, He's got a daughter. Uh, He doesn't have a daughter in real life. Um, Not yet, at least. He's got two kids because he's got the Kal-El. I know that. And then some other other kid. Uh, They're both boys. But anyways, so he's got a daughter in this. She's about to be 16. Um, She is 
I, I think that she likes her dad, but she doesn't want to be her dad. And a lot of the, the start of this film is him being told how much he's making a little Nick Cage out of her. Yeah. Like, I think she loves her dad, but she knows that she can only be around her dad when she wants the show. This is my dad. Right. Yeah. 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 She's being smothered with his Nickness. So she could only have a little, she can only have a little taste of Nick every now and then, you know, you get too much Nick. You're going to, you're going to get numb to the Nick, which I don't know is a thing that doesn't track. Cause I'm not numb to the Nick and I've got all the Nick. Got all of it. Give me more Nick. I'll take more Nick. <laughs> I <laughs> lost my head. <laughs> you got any Nick over there, Sam? I'll take a little Nick. Yeah. <laughs> got plenty. Pass that. Pass that Nick. Don't don't be stingy. Pass the Nick. <laughs> I got a picture sleeping happily on a Nick Cage pillow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I have to find that so you can post it. Do you still have the? Do you still have the pillow? <sighs> yes. It's got to be someplace. Yeah. I bet you that. That no, pillow's got to be Bert worth money. made me take it with him. Uh-huh. He's like, you love this more. Because he he's actually the one that got that in the white elephant. Mm-hmm. And then he took that picture. And then he's when I moved out, he was kind of like, you should take this. Because I don't want it. And you seem to actually like it. I'm like, I, I love that you, pillow. I bet you it's worth something. It's a cool the, pillow. <laughs> I, I mean, there's a Nick Cage pillow in this movie. If the number of dollars one would have to offer me to possess it from me uh-huh. it would be much higher. I really feel like you could offer me a thousand dollars for that pillow oh, right now, wow. and I tell you wow. to fuck off. I definitely don't think it's worth that. No, <laughs> I don't think anybody's going to do. But that's, that's a it's a nice pillow you got there, Sam. I was thinking, no, it's sort of like twenty bucks. You can get your own. Go away. No, this is mine. I bet you, it's, I bet you, you could eBay it for about two hundred bucks as the top end on that pillow. But man, I guess it's, uh, I guess it's staying in your collection. <laughs> yeah, we glad Sandra doesn't like it. It's stuffed in the closet. <laughs> you can't put Nick in the closet. That's not where he goes. I would say nobody puts baby in the corner, but then Nick Cage would show up in the program like, "Do not mention me." In the same sentence as Patrick Swayze. I would have loved to have seen that. Uh, a Patrick Swayze, Nick Cage, post-apocalyptic trucker combo. He would get bored. Nick? Yeah, he'd be like, I can't even be me in this movie. He would find a way. He, he always finds a way. way. Yeah, he would find a way to bring out the Nickness. I, and then Patrick Swayze would be like, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Which would be very Patrick Swayze. It would work. I'd, I'd like it. I don't remember what was in the theater against guarding Tess, mm-hmm. but I, John and I would go down once a month to watch the movies because he, he had a light, he had you know free gas. I couldn't afford to drive my own happy ass down there very often, mm-hmm. and uh, we wanted to see a number or like he wanted to see like every movie except guarding Tess, and I'm like, no, let's 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 go see guarding Tess. Let's do that. And he didn't. He fell asleep, and I was just like stapled to the screen the entire time. I'm like this, this cage guy has got it. <laughs> I'm a 15 year old movie critic, <laughs> talent, yeah. talent guy. It seems like he's got massive talent. He had me at 
what are you going to do? Arrest me? Put me in airport jail? <laughs> I thought that was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen. I still say that all the damn time. Oh, yeah. But they can now. <laughs> yeah, they can. They And they always could. <laughs> but you can still use it in places like, uh, you know, like when you go to the mall or something uh, or Walmart. Let's just say Walmart because everybody has to at some point go to Walmart and the product is in the wrong place. And you're like, or, or like one of the aisles is blocking the product you want to get the, the, yeah. the you know the shit in the way and so you move it and they're like I don't know if you can do that what are you going to do put me in Walmart jail I say it all the time yeah that's applicable that plays because there is yeah. no Walmart jail that we know of there can't be well <laughs> it's a strange place they just stack you up in some tires <laughs> Oh, Mr. Funny Guy, looks like you're in a bunch of tires. What are you going to do now, Funny Guy? Hey, Funny Guy. Looks like you're having a hard time getting out of those tires. Some freaking minimum wage guy starts throwing pieces of wads of paper at your face. <laughs> oh, you think you're smart, huh? Pelt this jail you. sucks. Help me with frozen pizza bites. <laughs> Can, excuse me, can I go to actual jail? No. You're in Walmart jail. Yeah. Your ass is mine. This is mafia torture, motherfucker. <laughs> and then when, you know, because you're in the tires and they they, they roll you down the hall, they say, dead man rolling. You know, because... <laughs> they, they just stick you out in the sun in the tires and they put one of the Walmart crab cakes... On the front of the tire next to your nose as it heats in the sun, and you're just like, oh, God, I'm going to barf for these tires and all myself. Because I got one. I was really dumb because I like crab cakes. So I was like, oh, Walmart has crab cakes. And I went, this is not a good idea. And I got them. And I was like, look, honey, crab cakes. And she's like, you got these at Walmart? <laughs> Why would you like, do that? I didn't know they had a seafood <laughs> section. And she goes, they shouldn't. And they weren't good. She no. just like, she tried to eat a bite of it and she spit it out and she just shook her head. And I ate a whole one and I was like, I'm not eating another one. They're nope. too, they're too, they're too dank. These are too fishy. <laughs> so that would be really bad if you... <laughs> You jammed somebody into a bunch of tires and stuck them in the sun and put one of those crab cakes on them. I'm actually not going to mouth off to the people of the Walmart, just in case they have just imaginations like mine. <laughs> okay. All right. So back to Nick Cage. Uh, he's uh, got an ex-wife, Olivia. Uh, they still are, are very friendly, still chummy, but uh, she also couldn't handle it. He's, it's too much Nick. Uh, the Nick is getting in the way of their marriage. Um, so they had to split up. I actually, from by character with her, I am like, she just thinks, well, I'm going on with my life. He mm -hmm. might notice I'm gone at one point. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, because exactly. the the Nick K cage is unable to see past the inside of his own ass. Uh-huh. Yeah, this movie's very, like, uh, critical of Nick Cage's own ego. Like, yeah, Nick with a K loves Nick with a K and might also love Nick without the K. Like, he just loves Nick Cage. And everything that he's interested in, because he's obviously 
the smartest, most handsome, most athletic man ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, is something that people should not only behold, but learn from him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's a... Uh, uh, oh, there's got to be a cool word that I can't think of right now. Not a sophist. Uh, a solipsist? Is no, too, he's just a narcissist. Yeah. Solipsism yeah. actually would be that you just... You are the only, you're like a deity in and of yourself, and the world mm-hmm. is just entertainment around you. Well, that's pretty much like what's going on here. So but he's a solipsist. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, Neil Patrick Harris, he's his agent. Uh, they're good pals. Uh, they get along pretty good. Uh, and uh, this was another thing. I was like, MPH really isn't in this movie very much. Uh, maybe like 10 minutes of screen time. And I was like, Look, let's lean into this reality again that this is actual Nick Cage using unknown to be his agent. You don't need to sneak MPH in here. I'm actually going the opposite direction. Okay. All right. Because of how zany this will get as we get into it, I kind of wanted MPH to come back into the fold. I needed more of him once the, the silly business started happening. Yeah, one or the other, but just 10 minutes of it, it, yeah. it was like, this is unnecessary. Uh, let's either go one direction or the other. But anyways, so uh, Neil Patrick Harris is his agent. Uh, he tells him about this uh, birthday gig. He's like, hey, uh, got a call. Uh, a rich guy, uh, he wants you to be at his birthday, and he's willing to pay $1 million. And Nick is like, uh, I'm not a fucking clown. I don't, do, I don't do blow up animals. I don't go to birthday parties. And Neil Patrick Harris is like, well, it turns out that um, that David Gordon Green movie, uh, you didn't get it. Uh, sorry, bud. Do you want me to read for you? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he blows it on his own, right? Uh-huh. Like, but his agent's really good at being his agent. So he's like, oh, he loved you. He's going a different direction. Not, uh-huh. Dude, why did you fucking read for him? And you didn't even read for him. You memorized it. And then you spit in his face, yelling <laughs> in the parking lot. You, you like, you fucking... This is why you're not getting anything. You're trying too goddamn hard. <laughs> you are trying too hard to work. It's my job. Uh, so he's like, I'm not doing. I'm not doing this clown shit. But then, like two drinks later, he's like, Yeah, I'll do it. So he goes to this lavish island to meet uh, Javi. Javi is Pedro Pascal's character. Uh, he doesn't know he's Javi. He's kind of being an asshole, can make him carry the bags. That old joke and stuff. Uh, and. Uh, Eventually, he realizes that's Javi, and he does the thing from the trailer. I, I I guess that's a Nick Cage thing. Is that a Nick Cage thing where you put your hand in your fist like the namaste, but it's like a cool namaste? I don't know, like but it's, it's working namaste. out here. I also really liked the belts that are a little bit more cagey than real belt cage, yeah, but yeah. they were fun. Yeah, The exaggeration of himself was fun. At the same mm-hmm. time, you see pictures of him drunk in Vegas, and you're like... Um, maybe he does this shit. Yeah, maybe he does this shit. I I'm fine with it. Again, like, he's the he's a, he's a producer. He's a, he's an executive producer on this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So at first he's skeptical. Uh, he's like, uh, I don't know about this whole thing. Uh, I've got jet lag. I'm just gonna hang out by the pool, have some drinks, be just soak in some sun. And uh, Javi's uh, gal pal. Her unspoken, his unspoken gal pal, Gabriella, uh, who is also his assistant, uh, because he's in love with her, but she has to pretend like she's assistant, or maybe he's 
uh, Javi's more like Steven Seagal than we want him to be. Uh, and either way, uh, he loves her and she's his assistant. So he's like, she's like, hey, did you read the script? And Nick Cage is like, what script? Uh, I didn't get a script. And she's like, the script that we sent to your uh, agent. Uh, I don't know anything about that. Let me chill out. And she's like, no, you don't get to freaking chill out. We paid a billion dollars for you to come to this island and hang out with Javi. And it's his birthday. And he's a sweet guy. You should really spend some time with him and get to know him. And he says he wants you over by the cliffs. Actually, get your butt up and get over there. She she isn't nearly as uh, submissive as you're making it out to be. And her uh, the actress's <laughs> name is Alessandra Mastronardi. Yeah, she could have my Nardi. God damn it, no. No. No, Steven no? Seagal. No, Steven Seagal. Bad Steven Seagal. But she would. She'd be like, <laughs> take it, and she'd rip it off and shove it down my throat and be like, get to the fucking cliffs, because that's what she does. She rips the sheets up like, listen up, dickhead, get in the car. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm getting paid. <laughs> so he goes down there. Uh, oh, he's, he's going to retire. That's the other thing. He's like, he's so done with the whole thing of, of the, the Hollywood system and getting turned down and all he wants to do is work, but nobody will let him work. And, uh, you know, he's Nick fucking cage, let him do his job. But he's like, nope, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to just be, I'm going to get a farm and I'm going to like fail at it. But the whole time I'm going to fail at it while being very Nick cagey. Cause that's the only place I can be Nick cage anymore, I guess. And have the animals don't get mad at me and say, Hey, could you maybe take it down a notch? No, I'm Nick fucking cage, the farmer. So, uh, Javi hears about this and he's like, no, that's not going to work. I love Nick cage. Uh, we gotta, we gotta do something about this. I don't know that he's really serious about it. I think he's just being poopy. A six-year-old that's like, I never eat any peas again. <laughs> but peas are your favorite, Bobby. No, I can't go on. And then once you pay attention, you're like, okay, I'll do it <laughs> just for you. Bobby sucks. <laughs> Little bastard. So, yeah, Javi takes him down to these cliffs and starts uh, ad-libbing at him. And Nick Cage is like, no, I'm not going to go for it. I'm not going to go for it. And he's like, you have to. Uh, you, you, this is a gift to the world. If you take away Nick Cage, you're actually turning your back on mankind. And Nick Cage is like, God damn it. If there's one thing I love more than Nick Cage, it's mankind. Yeah. But then is one of the most truly magical movie moments when he turns back to the camera. Because this is a, <laughs> an overly dramatized, like, uh-huh. I guess we're going to have to. But it, like, the way he does it, he actually solidly nails this. Right. And at the same time overdoes it because he's Nick fucking Cage. Uh-huh. And then starts the rebirth. Yeah, so he's back in. Javi talked him into it. They jump off the cliff. That's in the trailer. You saw that part. Uh, and uh, he's he's back into it. Well, the CIA, unfortunately, it just happens to be on this island as well. And they're like, hey, why is Nick Cage here? Maybe he's working some weird angle with Javi, who we think is the head of a cartel. Uh, we got to get Nick Cage. Like, tell him what's up. And, and maybe potentially save... 
the entire world because if the if Nick Cage is killed by a cartel guy, well, we're everybody's going to go to war, right? So let's get Nick Cage in. They kidnap him, and they're like, "Hey, Javi, uh, he's a real bad guy. Uh, he kidnapped the daughter of a politician." Yeah. In fact, we screwed up by not saying that this movie starts out with a kidnapping. Yeah, it comes right. out of nowhere that is brutal, and you're like. Mm-hmm. Fuck, what the fuck is this movie about? Yeah, right. Planned yeah. by Nick Cage, I think. Or maybe Lionsgate just fucked up the trailer that much. He's like, fine, I'll give you I'll give you these other elements so I can make a character journey about myself. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, we'll just do this. And Nick Cage was like, head slap. <laughs> I thought I was going to make some money off that one. <laughs> Uh yeah, so they're so uh they're like yeah, uh, this guy Balasari, uh he disappeared 15 years ago, and uh they're so the guy that's running against he's he's running against this guy whose daughter was kidnapped, so they they kidnapped the daughter so that this other guy drops out of the race, so Balasari could just take over and then like be friendly with the cartels, and it's bad. America doesn't like that, so you got to stop it, Nick Cage. You got to find that girl. Yeah, Nick Cage. <laughs> And then he does a bunch of where he's back to being the master thespian. Mm-hmm. And his intuition is perfect. Mm-hmm. And he starts sort of but like just kind of berating them. Like, look, I know what I'm... Perhaps we do stand on common ground. But since we're standing on common ground, you should know that I am actually the peak of this common ground. And you two don't know the, the fuck you're doing. There's no way that Javi is a criminal mastermind. There's no way. No way. He's a fanboy. But, Nick, think about that girl. She's about the same age as your daughter. And just think about your daughter being tied up in some basement someplace, blindfolded, scared, maybe never going to see her family again, probably got her hands chopped off and stuffed down her throat, and now she's eating her own flesh, and that's really gross. But, dude, maybe she can move on in, like, 40 years, or you could just stop it now. Nick Cage. Classic CIA bullshit. <laughs> well, when you say it like that. <laughs> no, Tiffany Haddish nails it. And oh, yeah. uh, Ike Barinholtz, and he, he's from Workaholics, I think, the other guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I follow him on Twitter. He's, he's very funny. These two are great. Like, she's an operative. He's a bean counter. But they're, like, on this thing that the CIA isn't really worried about. So they are totally the B team. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, totally B team. Which seems like not the right choice, CIA. This is an A team type situation. Where is this? This isn't Italy. Where the hell is this supposed to be set? I think Italy, someplace around Italy. The, the, uh, not the Riviera, the, Where's that area Spain? Called? Is it Morocco? Yeah. Is it, it's supposed to be the in Alps. Europe, right? Like, I couldn't. The- I didn't look this up, and I probably should have for set and setting purposes, but uh, it doesn't seem like it's in South America or Mexico. This no, seems no, very no, no. This Mediterranean. Is Mediterranean. Yeah, very Mediterranean. Yeah. Uh, it was filmed in uh, Croatia. So. Very Mediterranean. Very Mediterranean. Which, so, I mean, they're like, how, yeah, the CIA is probably tinkering in the Mediterranean, but how inve- are they putting their best people in the Mediterranean right now? And also, like, what's a guy friendly with the cartels? There's no cartels in Mediterranean countries. There's mob. 
I guess maybe still. Uh, there's uh, well, human traffickers. Just Lots by human traffickers. Definition of cartel. They're they're talking about they're talking about guns. They're not yeah, talking guns. about drugs. Yeah, they're talking true. about that's guns. True. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is a gun running operation. Okay. All right. I just hear cartel and I go straight to gun or drugs. So because of so, the American media, maybe the CIA is invested in a Mediterranean gun running operation because they're like, no, we have to be the ones selling those people yeah, the guns. That's, our, those, that's we, us. We we make God damn it. We make a lot of these. We gotta we gotta get them the guns. Like we're overflowing with guns. It's plugging up our. Half of of these guns used to be ours. Whose watch did that happen on? God damn it. Get those guns back so we can sell them again. Part part of the infrastructure bill was keep, you know, keeping the guns off the streets. And literally by by like shoveling the streets guns, we got guns on our streets. I mean, like we can't, we can't commute anywhere because the traffic jams of all the guns. Yeah. Like who put, who put these guns here? Get these guns off the street. Here's a (laughs) sidetrack. Sidetrack. First time that I saw the numbers on the walls of the Matrix was when I was a kid watching KTLA. And I wasn't a kid. We we were only living down there for a little bit before we moved back to Idaho. Um, There was a KCOP or KTLA story where they showed all these seized guns. And they're like, these are actually going to be destroyed. And then they like show a shot of guns, like piles and piles and <laughs> warehouses full of seized guns. And they like show a guy like getting a torch and like lighting one gun on fire. And I'm like, you sold all those fucking guns. <laughs> right. No shit. I'm 12 <laughs> and you cannot piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. Federal agents destroyed a, a, a lot of guns today. Here's a list of the guns that they didn't destroy. Right after that, there was a gun auction commercial. <laughs> Get the guns off the street. There's gun a pile show. up on Highway 21. I went to the gun show. <laughs> I like them. I never buy anything but stupid shit, though. Like, last time I went to a gun show, I bought olive oil and a throwing knife. <laughs> Those go Because the guns hand. aren't a good deal there. You're like, that's Screwsville. I can get Don't a new I- one of those for less than that. Don't ever use the olive oil and the knife at the same time. Yeah. You should. <laughs> when cooking. <laughs> you bought a cooking knife? No, a throwing knife. Yeah, no, don't ever, don't lube up and then use the throwing knife. <laughs> no, you just use the throwing knife as cutlery, because <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do with a throwing knife? Honey, will you chop these vegetables? It's going to take a while, because I'm using my throwing knife at them. <laughs> okay, one. <laughs> oh, shit, no, clanked off the wall. You use it like a normal knife, but... <laughs> It doesn't work good at that. It's and if you get a throwing knife at a gun show, it's a really shitty one. So like, you're like, oh, maybe I can use this as cutlery, <laughs> honey. Honey, will you hold this carrot up in the air? Now closer to your face, a little bit closer to your face. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So the CIA, uh, they're like, go in. Uh, to sneak around. Uh, here's a bug. Here's a tracking device. Uh, you could take over his camera system using this. Uh, so he sneaks in. Uh, during his birthday party, during the big celebration, uh, and uh, he puts a bug in the camera system. Uh, but they gave him like an agent that if you touch somebody, they'll be incapacitated within thirty seconds. But then, because he's stressed out, he he rubs his own forehead. 
Yeah, it's supposed to be some super poison that will mm-hmm. kill you, but there's an antidote. And I thought that it was fun because it was like it could work on the surface of the human body, but the antidote had to be intravenous. Injected, yeah. Right. And I, I liked the way that it was delivered where he just casually rubbed his head. And I spotted it immediately, of course. I'm pretty sure most of the people did. Well, he spotted uh, it immediately because he stops and goes, he's like, oh, no. I think I touched myself. Wait, you touched yourself? I don't know. I might have touched myself. I think I touched myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he's conked out. He's rolling around on the floor. He tries to climb through the window because the security guy's coming. And the antidote's in the other room, but it's locked. Uh, and I thought it was really silly and stupid. And uh, the way he was delivering lines with his mouth not working was hilarious. And finally, he gets in the other room. And he passes out. And she's like, damn it, he's going to die. And she says, action. And it wakes him up, and he stabs himself. Yeah, because that's how committed to work he is. I loved this scene, and this whole movie. Like when I got out of it, I was like, "Do I?" I mean, I had the best time in the theater on this, but there's like everything in the movie said that you're not supposed to do, and then it did. It, it put me in a conflicted, like, emotional area, and so I had uh-huh. like three days of thinking about this. I'm like, "Oh God, I loved this scene so much." And when it was happening. I was like, oh, they need to say something about this, but I, they don't. In the bean counter, like Baron Holtz is like, in 30 seconds, you're going to be drooling on your knees and then you're going to stop breathing. The character, Nick Cage with a K, has done so many drugs that this is, it's got yeah. him. It's got a hold yeah. of him, but he right. can fight through it. Right. <laughs> For America. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh, they need to say something about how, like, this guy must be, uh, like, a drug tank. But they don't, and you're led to infer that. And I was like, oh, that's, you know, two days later thinking about it, I'm like, that's really good writing. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, subtle. So, uh, so he gets it in. Uh, and he's, and he's, he's good to go. So he comes out. He hangs out. With Javi for a little bit. And Javi's like hoping that Nick Cage is going to say, hey, I read Javi's screenplay. I'm going to star in his movie. Uh, but instead, Nick is like, no, uh, I'm not going to star in your movie. Uh, instead, I'm going to help you write a movie because he's got to hang out there longer. Uh, and this is his delay tactic so he can find the kidnapped daughter. No, it's actually not. And I thought about this one a lot, too. The okay, way right, that he right. pauses because he's Nick mm-hmm. Cage and he's a perfect actor. And he delivers the moment so perfectly. Did you read it? You read the screenplay? Yeah. He never actually had a chance to read the screenplay no, because the CIA the got up to him and he was like, yeah. ad lib. It's beautiful. Yeah. But what I'd really like, because I can't talk about it, is then he delivers this, you know, let's write it another one together that he knows is going to work. He never actually had a chance to read the damn thing. It was probably beautiful. Probably really good. Yeah. So, uh, so now they're going to work together. So they start, they, they start working on this, uh, and they're becoming pretty good pals. And this movie is very rapidly turning into a, a buddy cop movie. This has been since, The moment that they jumped off the cliff 
it rapidly descended into a bromance. Mm-hmm. But it does something more special that we'll get to later. Okay. That's good, because I don't like the word bromance for their relationship. They're buddy cops, but better, they're best buddy cops. Bosom buddies. Bosom buddy cops I would watch. (laughs) All right. I'm looking at you, WB. (laughs) Bosom buddy cops. Let's see it. You put... You put some of the worst shit on the air I've ever seen. <laughs> Why not give Booty Buzzum Cops a try? Tom Hanks, you are banned from Boozy Buddy Cops. You cannot be in it. <laughs> no, I, they could. He could endorse it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Like, he comes in, has one line. No, he doesn't. Walks off screen. No, it just said, "Boozum Buddy Cops," endorsed by Tom Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks is no way associated with Bosom and Buddy Cops or the WB. Bosom and Buddy Cops is no way indoors, is no way associated with Bosom and Buddies or Cops. <laughs> Bosom Buddy Cops cereal is in no way related to Bosom Buddy Cops the series. <laughs> Booty Bosom Buddy Cops cereal. Tits. Yikes. <laughs> Crunchy Yikes. tits. <laughs> Don't let them sit in the milk. <laughs> I'll soften up. I'll soften up. It's irony because milk comes from tits. Get it? It's meta cereal. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be thinking about it for weeks, which is good because you won't enjoy the taste. <laughs> but this didn't come with any crayons or a decoder ring. <sighs> okay. All right. So. My favorite sequence of the whole goddamn movie is when they're talking about ideas and they're talking about big picture stuff like, oh, it should be a think piece, but also it should, you know, have like a, like a, uh, some, it needs to say something and also like make you feel good about these two characters again and, you know, stop questioning life and, and they're coming up with all these pitch ideas. It's all a brainstorm session and they're like, wait, what's it about? Uh, don't know. I know, let's do drugs. This is the best depiction of LSD that I have seen on screen. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't try to show you what they're seeing. It just shows you two dickheads on (laughs) LSD and how it goes down. One dickhead's like, you know, LSD would be an all right idea. I haven't had this in a really long while. And the other dickhead's like, LSD, I had it like three weeks. Okay, fuck it. (laughs) Yeah. That's what happens. Like, you do LSD once because it's supposed to be awesome. You're like, that was the most amazing thing ever. And then somebody's like, you want to do that again? I'm like, not for a long time. No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) But if you decide to do it because you're in that situation, that that second, third, whatever time is, okay, fuck it. (laughs) Because you don't want to do it ever again. You do it the one time you're like, okay, that was amazing. No more, please. Uh, and I like that when they're driving down the coastline, Javi's like, we should have a drug scene <laughs> in our movie. 
Yeah. And then they get to the coastal town and hang out. And Nick is like, Nick still doesn't know if Javi's a good guy or a bad guy. And so now Nick is like getting the the LSD heebie-jeebies, like watching it pretty hard. It works great. Like, that's why I keep talking. Like, I even told Sanders this. I was like, that's that most accurate depiction. Like, he goes, oh, yeah, fuck it. Then he gets in the car without saying anything. Because it's going to take you, you know, 45 minutes for that to hit you. Mm Mm-hmm. They're fine driving there. They're starting to feel a little good, a little happy. Once it hits you, you're not really going to be able to do anything. Mm-hmm. And now you're in town. San Pedro or wherever. Wherever. And there's two guys there. And they look suspicious. Two guys there <laughs> that don't look suspicious. No, they do not. They're old guys eating and ice cream. And then each... <laughs> person has an idea in their head (laughs) and those two ideas get said with mouths (laughs) and then those two ideas spiral into complete insanity and then they're like wait are those people looking at us there's they're watching us don't look don't look don't look don't look don't look laugh and look yeah (laughs) that was pedro pascal doing the subtle turn and giggle was where I was like, whoever wrote this has done acid. Mm-hmm. That was hilarious. It's hilarious. And so then they're, they think they're getting chased by these old guys. They like go someplace else. And then they see two different old guys eating ice cream and they're like, Oh shit, they're following us. And so that's when the climb over the wall movement from the trailer happens. And the trailer does not do this scene justice. I, yeah. As many days removed, I keep talking about, like, I thought I was going to see this. I thought I was going to see that. I hate trailers in general. I like to just see a movie clean. Oh, man, does this scene work. It was hilarious. And not for the reasons the trailer shows. Like, it is such a shot-for-shot but not like overly done homage to I won't let you go. Go on without me. You got to let me. I won't let you go. That thing, that trope in shitty movies, basically. Uh, there's still like sprinkled like normal gag jokes in, in between all that happening. And the whole time. This is what would happen to two guys on acid. Yeah. And like, at one point, Pedro Pascal, you know, basically does the Harry and the Hendersons. Get, get out of here. And Nick Cage lets him go. And Pedro Pascal, they do the reverse shot and he's falling in slow motion going, no, but he's only like three feet up. It's hilarious. Uh, I was, I was dying laughing. I... And then they come around the corner with the walk that you see, but then it gets funnier again because they become in love with each other again. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, God, Lord, this is hilarious. Yeah. These two guys are really good best friends. Like, really, really good best friends. Usually movies fail in the you're my best friend thing. I met, I met you yeah. yesterday and you're my best friend. Like, uh, what's that? Uh, the one with Jason Siegel. Where he needs a new bro. 
I can't remember what that's called. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. No, that's no. a new girlfriend. Uh, he needs a new bro. And I can't remember who his bro is. Uh, it might have been Ryan Reynolds or something. But, like, no, that was pretty good. But Step Brothers uh, doesn't do as good a job as this. Um, uh, what's it? Uh, old Dudes? Not Old Dudes. The one with Paul Rudd and uh, Sean William Scott where they end up LARPing. Still not as good as this. No. These, Pedro Pascal and Nick Cage are best friends. They see eye to eye completely. Mm-hmm. And because of that, they get tangled in the same acid web. Right, right. <clears throat> so, next day, CIA oh, you don't said, do the, I can't drive on acid. Oh, yeah, there's a car chase. <laughs> Not <laughs> really. No one. He just <laughs> crashes the piss. Them. Out of $125,000 Porsche. <laughs> and no one cares. Runs over nope. everybody's bikes. And then drives out of there at like 12 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, don't... Uh, uh, God, something happens here. There's no plot synopsis on IMDb yet written. This is like uh, the best plot synopsis so you're So they get, get back and Pedro's asleep. Javi's um, <clears throat> asleep. Yeah. In the, which is actually not a bad depiction of acid because he's not asleep. He's just trying. He's like, I am too traumatized by what's happened. I'm just going to close my eyes and go to sleep. And he can't, which you'll find out later. Um, So now uh, K with a cage is gone back to where it's supposed to have the hostage. Yeah. The CIA told him about a location. In the good writing, all of that legwork that he had done in the previous scene has not paid off at all. So none of the data that he's gathered has worked out one bit. No, not at all. Um, He goes down to this spot and then Javi's just like right there all of a sudden because he was like, I was trying to close my eyes and pretend that none of that happened because I'm on acid. And now Cage is determined. Mm-hmm. He's like, Unlock the door, Javi. You may feel differently about me if you see what's behind those doors. Just unlock the door. Yeah, and this is where dramatic. you know, character-wise, they are friends because they have different motivations, but they each think they know one thing that is catastrophic on the other side of that door. And then they yeah. both agree to go in that door. Right. Right. Like, let's, let's see what happens, but that's not where the kidnapped girl is. Instead. It's a shrine in a cage. Is it too much? No, no, no. I think it's great. I actually like a lot. You can have more Nick cage in here. What was the let's fucking a little axe from? The axe. Oh, I don't know. I spotted that too, and I was—I don't know what the movies that's from. It was like a like a very Klingon-y style of axe. It wasn't yeah. like maybe or maybe Marvel-y style of axe. It was very strange axe. Yeah, like uh, maybe this it is wasn't, a spot for the plug for them to talk uh, talk at Sinker Madness because if you know where that axe is from, yeah. hit us at talk at stinkermadness.com or are you supposed to do the whole rattle off with the things oh facebook.com forward slash stinkermadness twitter.com forward slash stinkermadness if it's not owned by elon musk tomorrow and he shadow bans us all whatever um yeah just you know you guys know where go to the website t- stinkermadness.com 
Yeah, just you, do, do things. If like. you got this, uh, hit us up. Click the buttons. What the hell Click is that axe from? What? Yeah. Uh, what was the? It's not from Outcast because he was a sword guy. Uh, Outcast. I don't think that makes it in this one. Yeah, I don't think it makes <laughs> it in this movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Um, but the the guy, he's got lots of collectibles. He's got the little balls from the Rock. Uh, he's got uh, the chainsaw from Mandy. Uh, he's got uh, the golden guns from Face Off. Um, and what else was in there? There was the uh, rubby sequin pillow. Oh, right, there was right, the Nicolas right. Cage pillow that's the only Nicolas Cage pillow more majestic than the one I have. I would rather have yours. I like you can- mine because you can... Put your face next to Nick Cage's yeah, face and just... You can't sleep on a, yeah, on no. a sequin pillow. Hell no. I can watch but, a Nick Cage movie with my head rested next to Nick Cage's face uh-huh. on that pillow. Exactly. Exactly. Can't do that with the sequins. Uh, so Javi's like, is it too much? He's like, no, it's great. Um, I thought there was going to be a girl in here. No, there's no girl in here. Wait, what? Um, that doesn't actually happen. Uh, so they're good. They're still good. Um... Then Javi brings in his family because Nick is telling him about like Nick is trying to make excuses for his actions and he uses his family as a ploy to say, hey, I'm not actually trying to find where a kidnapped girl is and think you're a, a cartel guy. No. I, oh, it's my family. It's my family. Throwing me off. really doesn't. Javi brings that up because he's being such a good friend that he's like, I have realized that you have a lot of pent up. Mm-hmm. feelings and re- regrets with your daughter. You're right. I do have that. Wait. No, because... I do. The, Javi, he pitches him on the kidnapping idea. There, The CIA's like, well, what if you write in kidnapping yeah. into your into your plot of your movie? And Nick Cage is like, no, Javi's, Javi's too savvy. He'll spot that immediately. Well, you got to do it, Nick, or, or that girl's going to die. And he's like, God damn it. So he, he pitches it to Javi, like, let's have a kidnapping in this movie uh, because that will put the butts in seats, you know? Uh, you know, you got, you got like a, a freaking Taken thing. You got... Uh, uh, Liam Neeson coming in saying, "Hey, I, I've got certain skills," and I'm like, "Whoa!" Yeah. And uh, Keanu Reeves is like, "Whoa!" And Liam Neeson's like, "Oh, oh, wow. I'm too old for action movies." <laughs> but why am I still doing them? That what I just said happens after, and then you. So no, Javi brings them in because he's like. Normal Nick Cage would never suggest something that stupid. Yeah, and that's why he starts being his friend again. And then they give mm-hmm. us a bit of a red herring where Javi shows some firearms prowess, possibly, uh-huh. but right. you don't actually see it. You just no, see you him don't. actually go pull and then shoot it. And then possibly after the camera stops rolling, you have Nick K with the cage go. Did you hit it? And he's like, I don't know, man. I'm still coming down. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick thinks that he brought his family there to use them as like ransom, like leverage or something. But Javi's just using them to heal Nick's glumness about what he thinks Nick is feeling about his own life. Whereas Nick is just trying to find this girl. Javi's just trying to help his friend and write a movie. While Nick is also trying to write a movie. Yes. Fourth level. Uh, 
Whew. So Lucas, now let's get Lucas involved. The cousin. Avi's cousin. Who has showed up. Uh-huh. And to the studied viewer, there's something going on with this guy. Oh, hey, yeah, he looks like that bad guy in movies. He looks like the bad guy in movies, and he's acting <laughs> a little crazy. He's been acting right. kind of crazy this whole time, and he's very irreverent. <laughs> well, yeah, he's the bad guy. Uh, Weird. Yeah, huh, how about that? Uh, he's been hiding behind the scenes, is using Javi as the face of the cartel, uh, and saying that like like Javi had to do it, or he'd shoot his girlfriend or his family. I'm not sure. Like, no. there's a reason Javi's forced to do it, but I can't remember what it is. Hey, Javi is forced to do it to be a figurehead of the crime family, a visible entity mm. that can't be caught because he's not doing anything wrong okay. and he can live in this place and have no evidence against him and they can launder through him. And no one will ever look for the person who's actually doing the things that are bad. Yeah, but why would Javi do it? Why wouldn't Javi be like, fuck off? There's a reason. Because it was Lucas his... has got him under threat. No, he doesn't have him under threat. It was his, his, his cousin. His dad was the guy. Yeah, his dad was the bad guy. Cousin took it over. Because his Javi's cousin's got the, the cojones to pull it off. Right. Javi's like, cousin, but I do want to keep Javi. living in this house. Also, so it's just about the money for a hobby. No, because in this scene, you'll go, oh, wait, Luca will kill me if I don't. I thought he was going to kill somebody else, too. Like his He girlfriend. will kill whoever. Okay. All right. All right. So he says, hobby, Nick Cage is here. He's a plant. Uh, he's working for the CIA. Hobby says, no, that's ridiculous. Are you kidding me? Uh, it's Nick Cage. He's not a CIA agent. He's an actor. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, here, listen to this tape, um, which could like was so vague in Nick Cage's statement. Like, that could have just came from anywhere, Javi. You're, you're a sucker. Like, you didn't question this at all. So, anyways, he's like, go kill him. Go kill Nick Cage. And he's like, I cannot kill my best friend, but I guess I have to. And Nick Cage is like, hey, CIA, they brought in my family. Uh, and Tiffany Hatch is like, well, you only got one choice. You're going to have to kill him. He's like, I can't kill my best friend, but I have to. So now they're going to kill each other. Yeah. Get a long uh, slow motion walk in here. This is the point. I'm going to burn this question right now. Mm -hmm. The cage looks good in this movie. Yeah. 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 And. He's been costumed up so many times lately that you're like, what's up he's looking like these days? He he uh, disrobes mostly a couple times in this. He's not doing the look at me completely naked. I'm a sexual specimen like he used to mm -hmm. do. But for a 50 plus year old man, you're like, oh, shit. Or is he almost 60 now? Oh, he's got to be close to 60. Uh, he's no spring chicken. Uh, there's no way that we're almost Nick Cage's age. <laughs> there's no way. No way. He's probably 60. Uh, he is born in 64. So, yeah, he's getting close to 60. 58. It looks good. He looks good. He looks for good. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. He's working out. 
Not like I'm we're just freaking Chris Hemsworth working out. He's like, I just, you know, I go to the gym once a couple days. Or just Leave. eats right and, you and know, I eat right. goes walking. Uh, uh big big on big on the vegan. Probably. I do not think he is. Okay. All right. Uh, I don't know why my Nick Cage sounds so much like Keanu Reeves. I guess. I don't know. Whoa. Well, uh, welcome so- to the Hall of Presidents. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay. All right. So they both agree to go to the cliffs to finish act three of their screenplay. Even though we're technically still in act two of our movie, they're going to go finish act three is what they say. Yeah. But they're going to kill each other. So they pull guns. and That's why it makes so hard me. It's so hard for me to do what I have to do. Hey, you got a gun. You're my best friend. Oh, I got a gun. I got two guns. Uh, I don't want to shoot you. I don't want to shoot you either. They traded shoes before this. Oh, yeah. The That's shoe the thing. Trading. When we talk about like this movie that talks about how you're supposed to write a character-driven uh, dialogue and a mm-hmm. character-driven story that when they trade shoes... And he says, you're the sort of friend that I could not talk to for years. And the first time I talked to you, I'd, it'd be like nothing had ever happened before, yeah, right? picked up where we left off. Picked up right where we left off. And that's where you're like, wow, this is these two are childhood friends mm-hmm. instantaneously. They're really friends. And... Throughout this, too, in that sort of character-driven thing, uh, Nick Cage has a devil on his shoulder, which is young Nick Cage, who makes out with himself. Oh, my God. Nick Cage smooches are good. Nick Cage smooch is good. I shot so much snot out of my... Like, Orange Crush just sprayed across the theater. I laughed so hard. He has this character-driven rebirth and redemption thing going on. And right now, we're part of the way through redemption, but we're not there yet. Yeah. So they say that they don't want to kill each other, that they're best friends. And then uh, Lucas's goons are like, God damn it. All right, we got to kill him. We got to kill them both. So they start shooting. So they run away. And there's some funny stuff here, especially about like Javier or Javi saying like, uh, you gotta r- make a run for the truck. You're faster. No, you're faster. Uh, that was funny. I like well, that a lot. Yeah, in this, it, it plays a thing that happens <laughs> earlier where he's like, "I heard you did all your own stunts and or, all your own driving and gone in sixty seconds." He's like, "Yeah, I did. I did." And then that plays into the actual story of the movie later. But then in this scene, he's like. You have to make a run for it. You're faster than me. He's like, no, I'm not. And you've saddled me with bad shoes. And he goes, even in bad shoes, you're faster than me. I read what you did in whichever movie. And he's like, that was the work of the stunt doubles, sir. No, I watched the commentary. You were faster than all the movies. He's like, okay, fine. I'll go. <laughs> And then Javi's like, wait, I don't want to be alone. So he runs with him, too. Like, if you're going, I'm going, too, because you're my best friend. <laughs> uh, so they get to the truck and they get away and they go back to Javi's and they find that Nick's daughter has been kidnapped, which, hey, wait a minute. 
This is a daughter kidnapping plot. That's what's in their script. That Nick didn't want to do. But Javi was like, that sucks. Why are you coming up with this plot? And like the and now it's the plot of the movie. Time that I'm like, I came here for a reason, and I've gotten that. But then it's given me something I don't like that it says I don't like, and I don't <laughs> like it. What are you gonna do about this? And then I get that you've already done something about this a few times now, but I can only take so much more of this movie. There's no way. There's no way I'm gonna like this kidnapping plot. <laughs> There's no way. There's no way. You told me I couldn't. It's crap. <laughs> so they hatch a plan to re- <laughs> rescue her by disguising the world's greatest actor as Balasari. Oh, God. Hey, Olivia, you say you met Nick because you used to be a makeup artist. Well, let's do this. <laughs> and it's hilarious. He's majestic. Oh, he's so majestic. In this jogging suit. <laughs> I and now have a thing for jogging suits because of Run DMC. I've always mm-hmm. had a thing for jogging suits. Then yeah. the gentleman with the plaid jogging suits. I'm like, oh, I got to sure. get one of those. Yeah. And now this, I'm like, okay, fine, fine. You can't J- look good if you're not in a jogging suit. J- Jason Sudeikis is dancing man from What's Up with That. Yep. Which is just Run <laughs> DMC though. Uh, Run DMC, Freddie Run could never dance as good as Jason Sudeikis. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll I, his, say it. Dan, it, his running man is like, it doesn't make sense. It, it's like lighter than air. <coughs> Why did you do comedy? Why didn't you dance, Fred Astaire? <laughs> oh, I run. All right. So it works. Lucas buys it. Like, and Olivia has to do some acting too to convince Lucas that it's Belisaro and it's great. Uh, and they're brought in front of the girls, and uh, Nick's makeup starts to fail. And she, Olivia's like, "Oh no!" We should mention that, like, they do the whole. Well, you're a makeup artist. Through like most of this set of scenes. She's also a cold-hearted bitch that's the greatest actress on the planet. <laughs> and he right. says nothing. Like, yeah. did you learn this from me? Because you're doing great right now. And she's like, I had to live with you for 15 years. I know how to do this. Now mm-hmm. fuck off. And they don't say that because it's good writing. Yep, exactly. Don't don't tell us, show us. Uh so Nick's makeup fails, and Lucas gets is like, "Wait, what?" And then Nick goes full Nick, badass Nick, movie Nick, stuntman Nick, and grabs Lucas, holds a gun to his head. Girls, get out of here! And Olivia's like, "But what about you?" He's like, "Girls first, priority one. Get them, then worry about me." Yeah, and he had told Devil on his shoulder, Nick, Cage to fuck off in a scene that we didn't talk about. And now he's at redemption in the character-driven movie that we were supposed to get. And we're getting that, but we're also getting a Nick Cage action film. What the fuck? And a comedy that's hilarious? I don't know where I am. I'm glad I had pizza before I went to this thing, because I would have been hungry afterwards. 
The type of movie that requires you to have nachos. Yeah. <laughs> Go in with a full belly or else. <laughs> Funny, I've never heard Roger Ebert say that. Robert e- Roger Ebert wrote Beyond Valley of the Dolls. We just all have to remember <laughs> that, okay? It's zany. It's crazy. It's a fun time. But when you write that, you we got to take everything he said about <laughs> movies with a grain of salt. All right. All right. I, I, all right. I, I just saw a bearable weight of massive talent. I would say... If you're going to watch it, make sure you have an entire rack of ribs to go with it. I just think you need... No, you eat first. You'll be tired afterwards. If you don't, you need you need some staying power. <laughs> I would recommend hitting the buffet. <laughs> it's the type we of did. performance Nick we Cage did. is We did. We went to you. Keystone Pizza in Caldwell, Idaho, which is a pizza buffet. It is fantastic. Uh, very unhealthy. <laughs> and I had like six pieces of pizza. Load up uh, and then go watch this movie. Yeah. Don't do it on an empty stomach. <laughs> no. Okay. So weird. Um. So then Nick goes full badass. He's shooting guys. Like doing spin moves. Uh, Not dumb spin moves like face off bullet chandelier stuff. Like freaking cool moves. Yeah. And also... um. The hobby shows up and starts shooting dudes mm-hmm. too because he's ultimately yeah. been trained by them, and it's like his character is now going for his own redemption. Uh-huh. And right, right. he has mentioned his love for Gabriella before and all of this, and he's like, No, I have never turned against my family. And that's one of the other reasons why he never leaves, or it's not just that he knows that Luca will kill him. It's mm-hmm. that I was born into this. That's even heavier than, yeah, Luca will kill me. That's true. I was born into this. Um, But he has decided, no. This man is a beautiful man, and he is my friend. Yeah, he shoots shoots Lucas. Leaves him wounded. Yeah. Runs away. Then they're chased. Uh, They get in their, their Jeep, and they're chased. Uh, with cars and jeeps, Lucas is on their trail. There's crashes and explosions and just typical awesome action movie shit. They, before the chase, we have to mention the bad joke that may have been the conception for the whole movie is that at the very beginning during the kidnapping scene, that if you'd seen the trailer that we saw, we're like, oh, shit, Nick Cage is playing a silver movie. I'm going. Yay. Right. Right. Uh, Actually, more like Nick Cage is on the big screen. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going to watch that movie Piggy just did about the the guy that has a truffle pig and goes Nick Cage on everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, In that first scene, when this... Uh, presidential daughter or whatever she is gets kidnapped they're watching a Nick Cage movie and she's like no one's more badass than Nick Cage mm-hmm. and when they escape <laughs> when right. uh, Javi oh when God. Javi uh, rescues Nick and they get out back to the car uh, Gabriella had backed over the guy that was going to shoot him but he gets mm-hmm. up and he's not dead and he's about to shoot him again, 
and he gets shot and they're like, oh my God, we're alive still. Who, what's happening? And then Nick Cage steps up with a gun and she goes, oh my God, that's Nick Cage. He's so badass. And I (laughs) think she says, Nick Cage, cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right. (laughs) And cool. But she also like, it's wet panties cool. Like, Uh holy shit. I was about to die. I don't think I'll ever have sex again. Well, no, I'm good. I'm good. (laughs) Nick Cage. Yeah. Thanks for. All of the PTSD is gone <laughs> right now, Nick Cage. Whoop. <laughs> and I kind of feel like there's a bad joke that somebody's like, what if this happened? And that's how the movie is, you know, conceived originally. Uh-huh. Like, right. Because of how it starts with that and it ends with, or not ends, but like that happens in this weird subplot that you're just like, that has to be an early on thing. I think, yeah, I think that's a good theory. <clears throat> that I was so I hung on to that so much to like. Well, how about that? Because it. Yep. When I watch this, this is uh, actually I'll say that for later. Go ahead. Okay. All right. So they drive to the embassy, uh, and they skid stop in. But Lucas is right on their tail, and he pulls out a gun and he grabs Nick. And he's about to shoot him in front of everybody. It doesn't matter. He's going out in a hail of bullets. But then uh, the. What the hell? Do you hear that? Yep. Uh, your neighbors are. Fuck off. Straight six. Jesus Christ. And I can only uh, name that because it's probably too loud for you to hear there. But I can only hear the gentle popping of each cylinder. God damn, dude. Oh, man. Collinsville, Illinois. White trashers. All right. So they drive to the embassy. Skid stop. Lucas pulls a gun, and he's about to shoot every hail bullets. Uh, Butch Cassidy, so he's getting blah, blah, blah. And then Eddie is like, Dad, here's this knife that, yes, was given to me by the other girl and uh, kicked. Uh, oh, you skipped past the, the shot. Javi jumping oh, out of the Jeep. Oh, yeah. We got to mention that. Jeep. So yeah, goes true. back to Gone in 60 Seconds. Nick Cage knows how to drive. Uh-huh. Right. Um, he's driving a land cruiser better than, or no, a land rover. What, what's that model? The That's a Defender. The Defender, yeah. It's not an agile vehicle. Mm-hmm. Has enough juice that you can spin the tires and get where you need to get. And if you know how to drive, you can, you can go. So he's driving, doing his thing. And Javi decides to sacrifice himself. And then K with the cage stops the car. And he's like, no, get in. We're, we're going to make it. He's like, no, I have to stand up to my family at some point. Redemption. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Yeah. Redemption has already happened for Nick Cage. He put himself in the way of his family. These characters have been redeemed and mm-hmm. they are truly friends. And then after Everything Nick Cage drives off. <laughs> oh, you just said this. No, I said, and then, and then everything I just said about, you know, the knife and the embassy. Oh, well, and but the- just, but then Cage drives off and Gabriella is there because love. And so you're like, oh, so this cockamamie horse shit is going to have the crappiest happy ending ever. What the, who the <laughs> fuck is writing this crap? <laughs> 
This doesn't work on paper. Uh, all right. So the knife is thrown. Nick Cage grabs it and plunges it into the heart of Lucas on a movie screen that we're now watching because this is the movie yeah. that Javi and Nick Cage wrote. And it's like that we are now watching the fifth time in the movie that Nick Cage just goes. Oh, so great. So great. So great. So this is the theatrical release of whatever they call it. I'm guessing the unbearable weight of massive talent. Which means we're watching. Like I, I I'm starting to like get lost inside the multiverse here. Uh, 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 either way, it's a movie. It's a success. It's a box office match. Nick is now a big star again. Uh, Javi's now got a successful writing career ahead of him and, uh, everybody wants to talk to him. He's Javi. He's a great guy. Gonna, gonna be a big shot. Gonna be a big shot. And they're probably going to hang out a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And Nick is now close with his friend, his fixed family. family. There's a very good chance that these two, uh, Gabriella and Javi Mm -hmm. are basically just at their house on every major holiday. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course. Yeah. Of course. They're best, they're best fucking friends, man. They've been through a lot together. They've become better people for it. Yeah, And absolutely. now they've redefined family. Mm-hmm. Nick goes home and watches Paddington 2. Paddington 2. Oh, man. Dad, have you ever seen Paddington 2? Oh, my God. <laughs> So awesome. That's the movie. Uh, Question one. Yeah. Have you go. seen Paddington 2? No. Okay. I haven't seen Paddington 1. So. Is it a joke or is it actually a great movie? <laughs> so this is how much this movie spoke to me. When I watched it, I was. I had anxiety. Not really anxiety, but I was like sort of ambivalent to whether it worked or not. I was like, this is supposed to work. This is supposed to not work. But I kept thinking about it, and I knew we were going to talk a lot about it, and I was like, Mm -hmm. well, I always say, if you think about a movie a lot, and then you talk about a movie a lot, then it's pretty complex, and it did its job. Mm -hmm. Well, this one did, because after we watched that movie, we watched Paddington 1, because I'm the guy that won't let you watch Paddington 2 until you've seen Paddington 1, and the like, well, I want to watch Paddington 2. It's supposed to be amazing. That's what Nick Cage said. And I'm like, okay, we have to watch Paddington 1. Tragically, I fell asleep in Paddington 2. It was oh, no. really late at night, and it was, <laughs> but here's what I'm going to say about Paddington 1. Uh-huh. What an imaginative, wonderful film for children. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> oh, you need to show... You need to show your son Paddington 1 and 2. I will finish Paddington 2. I think that there's going to be something cool that happens because of the lead up where I got about halfway through Paddington 2. And then I was like, well, I got to go to work tomorrow. That's not what I did. I was like, I'm going to go to work fucking tired as shit watching Paddingtons. And your body said My body said, no, "No, you're going to fucking fall asleep during Paddington 2, you stupid dickhead. (laughs) Uh, What? It made me watch Paddington. Wow. Wow. That's that's a statement. Uh it didn't make me do that, but now I'm curious. <laughs> I guess I guess I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, you should watch the Paddingtons. Okay. I think your son will really like them. 
All right. Uh, I don't have any questions. I've got thoughts. Uh, do you want to hear my thoughts or do you want to ask more questions? Uh, thoughts. Go ahead. Okay. I, I can frame it like a question. Who is Nick Cage to you, Sam? Because who he is to me, he's like a friend. He's like, when I started watching this and seeing him on the big screen, I there was, there was this weird sense of familiarity, like a very intimate familiarity that I don't even feel with people I actually know and would actually be defined as friends. People that... You know, you see every now and then, like, oh, hell, hey, man, how you been? Uh, you hear about the party after the show? Those guys? Uh, I feel more closer to Nick Cage as a human being than I do to those people who I've actually spoken to. It's, and, and, I, and I started thinking about this, and it's, and it's really weird. We're the first generation that's ever been able to, to actually do that. Yeah. Because... I thought about it like watching, uh, seeing every single piece of work somebody has ever done is possible in our generation. Sure. Whereas before that, ne- that couldn't exist. Uh, and when you watch someone work as I'd say, I don't, I don't watch you work. I don't watch my wife work. I, I don't care. I don't care about your guys' jobs and your, and your product. I just don't. Uh, honestly, ask yourself, do you care about anybody else's job? No, but I care about certain people's jobs and their name, Nick Cage and Bruce Campbell and being able to watch every single piece of, of their job that they do is puts my, my relationship with them on almost this other kind of intimacy, uh, and, and getting to see him up there as this old guy and still working and still fucking just bringing it. Yeah. Um, but at the same, it made me feel good. Yeah. At the same time, you don't see him working. You see the product of his work. True. And True. that that should be stated that if he has this product of work, that is that large and that magnificent. God damn the work that that guy does. Cause I do not the same work. But I do a lot of work to produce a product that gets seen and mm-hmm. stayed. I make monuments and it will be seen for years and years and years. You're like, oh, that's beautiful. I saw that guy's work. No, you didn't. You didn't see every ounce of fucking blood, sweat, and tears that went into that, right? True. That's and this, true. Yeah. like, this guy's volume of work is incredible. And just imagine the volume of blood, sweat, and tears. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, he uh, works, and then there's moments in the movie where he talks about, this is my fucking job. Mm-hmm. He's a workaholic. Yeah, I, career? Career? I don't care about the career. This is my this job. This is my job. And he I have, I treats have bills to pay. acting like a job. Uh-huh. And I'm just trying to do the best job I can. Yeah. Yeah. He's magnificent. Yeah, it's it's wonderful. But I, I, it was just comforting me. It was a weird feeling that I was like, hey... That's my friend up there. Yeah, we uh, like I'm not and I'm not trying to be stalkery or anything. I'm not going down that path. I'm just saying like that's somebody that I have a very strong relationship with up there and I get to see him on the big screen. Yeah. I haven't got to do that in 
Fucking 20 years, man. Because he puts his whole, his whole self in there. He gives vulnerability. He gives zaniness. He gives craziness. He, he adds ele- every person, every element of his personality to a performance, not maybe in one movie, but at one point or another, you've had every element of what he has to offer as a human being put on screen. Mm-hmm. And he's left it all out on the field. And that's why when you watch him, you're like, I understand him and I know him because even his mistakes were like mistakes that we made right, making the right. wrong joke at the wrong time or doing the wrong thing. Or like, I'm yeah. going to put myself out here like this. And you did it. And you're like, oh, God, I. Uh. but he put himself out there the whole fucking time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. he chose to not be Nicholas Coppola, the nephew. Right. He yeah. made his own name. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, it was just it was it was really nice seeing Nick Cage on this on the big screen. It was it gave me the warm and fuzzies. Not just because of this podcast. It was just like again, I haven't seen you on screen. The last time I saw him on the big screen was eight millimeter. Woof! It was a long time ago. A long time ago. Yeah, because I didn't see Kick Ass in the theaters. I don't think anybody really did. It was a streaming success. It was post. It, it gained cult status after it was in the theaters because it was, had like a two week run in the theaters. So yeah, very cool. Um, My final thought. I'm, yeah, I've spent days twisting my brain around what this really meant. I think I kind of have a really good idea of it because it's okay. Nick Cage's criticism of filmmaking boiled into and, a and Nick himself. Cage movie written by yeah. a bunch of young guy or a couple young guys with his input and everything has his input and the filmmaking has his input. And you think about, Oh, well I used to write shit like this all the time when I was in college that was sort of bending and mm-hmm. they'd go, well, you don't have this character driven part and you don't have this classic Shakespearean part. And I'd be like, well, what mm-hmm. if I put that in there? And they'd always say, well, then you'd have crap. Mm-hmm. And that's why I looked at this on paper and I was like, this on paper is crap. But then I went back to me as 20 and going, I know this will work if I do it right. Mm -hmm. And so that's the point of this movie is that Nick Cage went, write the fucking movie you want to fucking write and make it. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point of this movie. And I love him so much. That's a good that's a good interpretation of that. Um I I to add to that is like there's a lot of room to fuck it up. Like a you lot. You could of only room. fuck it up and if you weren't being the director and the writers did well. They did really well. They mm-hmm. they did stupendously. But after I watched the commentary with uh Nick Cage on Badass when he's like I'll do this movie then he kick gets ass. there, kick ass, and he's like, yeah, you fucked up this whole scene. I'm doing this scene for you. This movie will be successful because I'm going to take over your choreography in this scene. And that uh-huh. scene is fucking amazing, and it sells the movie. I don't think he had to do this with those guys. I think those guys were no. like, we're already the students of Nick Cage. And he's like, all right, well, I'll primp you and point you in the right directions. Thank you for showing up. And 
doing the things that I wanted my daughter character in this movie to do. And they're like, we want to be your children. (laughs) And then they made this movie, but they were all on the same page and there was no room for error. They were on the cage page. They were on the cage page and there was no room for error, but they were there. (laughs) And that's where you can write this really brave experimental shit Mm -hmm. that breaks all of the covenants and conventions Be, or whatever. Being John Malkovich adaptation. Adaptation again and I, I didn't like adaptation that much. And I I didn't like adaptation that much and I didn't like being John Malkovich that much. I like being John Malkovich okay. Um I this was just write it and do it. Mhm. Fucking yeah. hit the gas pedal. People yeah. like it or they fucking don't. And I've always felt that what it should be. And I, you know, never made it as a person that could do that. So, you know, whatever, because you can't usually. Right. But this in has validated the position of my screenwriting. Personally, I'm like, wow, you can do crazy bullshit that pokes fun at conventions and then still gives popcorn moments and all these things that you're, you're not supposed to be able to do. Right. Yeah. All right. Final recommendations. I'll go first. Um, absolutely must do. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Go to the theaters, uh, or don't don't, it'll be on streaming. It's going to be a cult film. Um, and not like a big cult film. I think there's a window of time because it's so on the nose about where things are right now with Nick Cage. And the movie is very Nick Cage, um, and, and the Hollywood system and all that. Uh, you want to see it now. Uh, don't wait 10 years. I don't know if it's going to hold up in 10 years because it's so culturally on the nose to this moment in time. I'm going further. I'm going to say the most mask restrictions and societal restrictions have been lifted, hopefully, in your area. If they have, mm-hmm. go to a restaurant that you hope doesn't close. <laughs> Get that rack of ribs before you go in and see this. Yeah, You're no, going to need give that them food. some money, keep them open, <laughs> and then go see this movie. And then go to another restaurant or that same restaurant again, oh, and then I- go see this movie. Like, go. Tommy Wiseau wanted you to go see this movie in the theater twice. I think Uh you should see this movie in the theater three times and support your local restaurants while you're doing it. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Good plug. Good plug. America. USA. USA. What is America? (laughs) If it's not Nick fucking Cage. All right, there's your show. Uh, enjoy your week, guys. Get to the chopper. Oh, you pulled the plug on me. I'd gone full cage.